It stopped snowing. The, oh, yeah, dude. It was supposed to be a storm. And I know, and it wasn't. And I'm fucking pumped. I can get home easy. <laughs> you can get home, period. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could have taken the Uber, but it would have been a much more intense Uber, mm -hmm. right? Than it would oh, be. yeah. So. I remember the last couple of Uber rides I rode in last winter. They were yeah. slipping and sliding. Oh. It was so terrifying. God, I do not want to die with a stranger in the car. <laughs> <laughs> just like well hello everyone hello and welcome to bromancing the stone the podcast where renee sanchez that's me and max lyon me we watch rom-coms, and then we hope to immediately review them. Yeah, that didn't happen this time. Some sound difficulties. We're trying to improve the quality of the sound for you, the listeners. And tonight, it just so happened to be a pain in our fucking taint. But... It really was. But we think we got it. Well, we got it for this episode. Yeah. We're hoping in the future I'll be a little more consistent and a little less of a pain in the ass. But nonetheless, Max, how you doing, buddy? How's your week? It was good until I tried fucking around with these settings. <laughs> Look, we're using free softwares and we're using USB microphones on a laptop computer. Shit's going to get weird, all right, man? Don't beat <laughs> yourself up on it, all right? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm just thankful that, uh, that yeah, it worked to a point that we could finally record. That's that's all. Yes. Yes, indeed. And that I could finally drink. <laughs> that's always the priority. That's always my motivator. So, this week was good. Um, I went back to work after a two-week hiatus yeah. of... Christmas and New Year's break. So you went back to the uh, project that you were on before the break. Yeah, I went back to my old project team. So it's uh, and I love them. It's so good. It, like yeah, yeah. It's the first job that I've actually. I like I I get why people might actually like their jobs <laughs> it's, it's the first job that i actually felt that way about so and it's it's because of the people it's because of the people you work with so mm -hmm. so it's good it's good i'm very thankful to be back oh yeah man but not as thankful as i am to be doing the podcast yeah Woo! so how was your week uh my week was solid i worked six days so tomorrow's going to be my first day off uh, in a while. Although today I work from home and there are very few things to do. So I ended up playing video games midway through my quote unquote shift waiting for emails. So, yeah. I know. mean, there was a snowstorm outside, so. Yes, a whole half an inch of snow that, yeah. fell down. So, yeah, back in Oregon, that would have shut down the state for a week. Yeah, Here, yeah. it's like. This is just rain that dried up as it hit the ground. Yep. 100%. Yep. <laughs> but 
Anyway, we talk about rom-coms on this podcast. and Do we? Yes. And it just so happens today we're going to chat about Notting Hill. Notting fucking Hill. <laughs> Notting Hill. The movie that Max and I started arguing about at the end of the last podcast and we'll probably continue to argue about during this podcast. No, we won't. I love this movie. It's perfect. And I, that I can't even... No, I can't get through the rest with a straight face. You're a lion sucker shit. Well, anyway, I'm going to go over some facts about Notting Hill. Right? You fucking do that. Lay it on me. What do we got? So Notting Hill is a 1999 British romantic comedy directed by Roger Mitchell. So not- Wait, Hugh Grant is British? Uh, the screenplay was written by Richard Curtis, who also wrote Love Actually, um, although he also directed Love Actually. Well, on this film, he just wrote the script. Uh, it's The film stars Julia Roberts as the first build, Hugh Grant, Hugh Bonneville. Uh, I don't know. It, basically, all the friends are listed. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know who plays whom. Um, Hugh Bonneville... Uh, Emma Chambers, that's the sister. Uh, James Dreyfus, uh, Reese Efans, who's Spike. And I know that name because he also plays the kicker in The Replacements. Okay. You never saw that movie? Nope. Oh, that's a good football movie with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> anyway, uh, Tim McInerney and Gina McKee also make the billing there. Okay. Uh, and then this film was released in the UK before it was released in the United States. Uh, Makes sense. By only a week, though. So it was released in the UK on May 21st of 1999, and then in the United States on May 28th of 1999. Okay. And the running time of the movie is... Six years. I don't know. Two, Two hours and five minutes. How do you read 24 minutes? Two hours and four minutes. Yeah. God damn right. (laughs) That's what's up. Uh, The uh, budget for the film is $42 million. It costs $42 million to make this film. That's that's pretty substantial for a rom-com. Yeah. Especially back then. It was 20 years ago. So, I mean, that's like a 60 to 70 million budget now, probably. Hmm. Um, how much did it make in the box office? Hundred million. Three hundred and sixty-four million dollars. What? Office. This movie was a substantial hit. Everyone watched it. It was well received by critics and well received by the public. There's only one person in the minority in this room right now. You know what? And we'll go and we'll get into that. It's a whatever. Those are the initial facts of the movie. Um, but Max, you have strong opinions about this movie. Do you have a strong first memory when it comes to this film? What I do you think don't. of this film? I don't. Do you have a memory at all? I, I I honestly I think I think. I've seen it before. No, I know I've seen it before, but I think it might have been in bits and pieces. I don't know that I ever saw the whole thing. Probably because it's so goddamn difficult to sit through in one sitting. 
but we'll get to that. Um, so no, really, this is essentially my first memory. What about you? There's a lot of memories that flood into my brain from this movie. Uh, the biggest one, though, is the Notting Hill soundtrack, specifically on ca tape cassette. So my mom and my sister Monica, who we'll get into in a little bit, my mom loved this movie as well as my sister Monica. The, and my mom loved it so much that she found the tape cassette at Borders. Back, okay. remember Borders? Yep. Yeah. Found it there, bought it, and basically wore that tape out at our house. Like, if she was cleaning, that soundtrack would be playing. Wow. You know, like if she was doing something. And also, I think... Yeah, and we listened in the car, like whatever car we were in at that time. Okay. Like she was listening to that soundtrack. And, you know, and then I look at the soundtrack now, and I mean, there's bangers on there. There's You've Got Away by Shania Twain, banger. I Do Cherish You by 98 Degrees, banger. Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers, banger. That's a good song. How Can You Mend a Broken Heart by Al Green, fucking banger. And then, I don't remember hearing any of these songs in the movie. Probably because I was distracted by... by your lack of sound engineering experience? Yes. Uh, I can tell. Um, I, I'm sorry, do you want to take over? I mean, I recorded the very first episode. I could have kept recording, but you decided that you wanted to take over and drive me improve I didn't decide. I just wanted better sound quality and we have still struggled to get to that level. <laughs> uh, but the song I wanted to talk about from the soundtrack is the third song on the listing, which is She by Elvis Costello, which you hear multiple times in this film. And once is more than enough. Well, She is the song that my sister Monica walked down the aisle to. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I hear this song, I think of my sister Monica. Oh, oh okay. Well, I mean, but, and I thought it was like a perfect, like, you know, beautiful way of walking down the aisle. And like, it, it worked for her wedding. I stood at the altar um, as a groomsman to my ex-brother-in-law, which I'm sure you've heard me say before in previous podcasts. So mm -hmm. <laughs> the marriage didn't quite work out, but nonetheless, I remember, uh, I don't know, like there was a time where I visited my sister Monica after this, uh, after her divorce and she was watching Notting Hill and that song came on and I looked over at her and I wanted to make sure she was okay. And there's just no, no signs of effect on her face or anything like that. Mm. I'm just like, How, are you okay? I asked, and she was just like, I'm fine. I love this movie. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I didn't know if that song was going to bring up any memories of, of, you know, that marriage or anything. She's like, oh, what? No, fuck that guy. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's where we're at. <laughs> so when I hear that song, I think of my sister Monica and my sister Monica only. 
that's kind of her song. Um, so. Okay. But yeah, those are the memories that flood through her mind is of the soundtrack. So. No, that's good. That's a good memory to have. Yeah. It takes me to my mom and my sister, who are usually the two main culprits of memories when it comes to these rom-coms that we watch. So. Nice. Yes. Well, that's, that's a good connection to have. Yeah. Well, Max, do you have any tasty tidbits tasty about this movie? Tasty tidbits. Tasty tidbits. Tasty tidbits. Tasty tidbits. Honestly, not really. Like, I mean, I do. I'm not going to disappoint. But I am going to disappoint. Because there weren't many. Um, I uh, I scoured for quite a while looking for these things, and I I mean I found some, but they're they're not like. Stop. Okay. Now playing them. Just be honest. Um. So. Uh, wait, who was the director again? Uh, Roger Mitchell was the director. Who's the writer? writer Richard Curtis. Richard Curtis. Okay, so Richard Curtis, while he was writing it, listened to the same song over and over and over. Well, let me backtrack. He came up with this while lying in bed one night, which I feel like is is how you come up with a lot of creative ideas. Usually the spark that lights a fire is yeah. like a random ass thought that rolls through your head while laying in bed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, I'm I'm usually exhausted, so I just my head hits the pillow and I'm out. But uh, no, my mind starts running even faster. If I don't like, if I'm not watching, mindlessly watching something on like a laptop, all I do is think and think and think. Oh really? Yeah, that's how I've always been. You're able to fall asleep after watching stuff on a laptop. That's how I fall asleep, is that I'm so tired that I just, like, conk out while I'm watching something. Oh, okay. But, like, I'll put something on that I know can be played in the background, like, maybe something I've watched before. Okay. Or something like that. And then, so, like, I uh, fall asleep with, like, episodes of The Simpsons on Disney Plus or right. something like that, you know? Yeah. Wow, mine is, mine has always been more, like, ritualistic, where it's, like, I watch something out in the living room, and then it's like, I don't go to bed until I'm ready to go to sleep. Hmm. And even then, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I, I like, segregate the two rooms. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go in there until I'm ready to relax and, like, completely shut down. And that's why I was always hesitant to put, like, like my computer desk in there or anything else in there because I was like, I don't want to be in there unless I'm super relaxed or asleep. I get it. Your, your room's for doing two things, sleeping and changing clothes. Yeah. Three things if, you know, I had someone to share it with. <laughs> That was the joke. I tried oh. to put a pause on oh. sleeping and Oh, clothes. okay, well. Because, fuck it. Is that what you wanted to get to? Fuck it. It's called boning. <laughs> on this show, we call it boning. Bone? 
doesn't know what that is in reference to, it's in reference to an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is one of the greatest sitcoms of all time. It's one of the best sitcoms out right now. And if anyone wants to fight or or argue our opinion on that, we'll fight you. Physically. Renee will. I'll stand and watch and record it for the podcast. And I'm two drinks deep, so I probably wouldn't fight you if I was sober. Isn't that number three? Well, it's not done yet because I put it away because you told me I was too drunk. So fuck you. <laughs> but it's almost gone. Well, because I was waiting for it. Anyway, what? What was? Okay, what's I, the thought about I, this? See, I'm, I'm running interference. Like I don't, I don't want to get to this segment because I don't have much to give. Just fucking, let's, let's just okay. get it done. Okay. Sure. So he listened to the same song on repeat while I was writing this shit ass movie, and <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll get to it. Okay, and it was "Downtown Train" by Everything But the Girl, which I've I have no idea what it is. Everything I, But the Girl is the band or the group that did uh, uh, "I" and I miss you. I think. I think. Okay. Like the, and I miss you. Like the desert miss the rain. I don't know that I song. I think that's who that is. Um, okay, well, whatever. Either way, um, moving on, Julia Roberts was not the inspiration for Anna Scott. Like, that's the level of trivia I have to offer, is saying, oh, this person was actually not the inspiration for the character she was cast for. Ooh. Big, mind-blowing surprise there. Uh, in fact, Julia Roberts didn't think much of the script at first. She hated it based on the synopsis. Oh. Yeah. My kind of girl. And, and... <laughs> And then she soon fell in love with it, supposedly. I think that's a drastic uh, amplification amplification of her reaction. Um, Apparently she still hated the line, uh, they go to bed with Gilda but wake up with me. Which is the paraphrasing line where she's quoting a... Rita uh, Hayworth? Yeah, Rita Hayworth. I don't... Yeah, she just said, To me, it was nails on a chalkboard. I don't really believe any of it. I'm like, okay, that's great. Huh. Great to know. Huh. Um, that's interesting. The blue door, his blue door and yeah. the apartment and everything, that was actually Curtis's apartment. Yeah. Not at the time. Yeah. But he did actually live there. There was. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. So that's, that's cool. That's pretty cool. I like that. Um, let's see. Uh, oh. <laughs> Hugh Grant actually criticized. This is skipping ahead to our, our kissing uh, segment. But yeah. he actually criticized... Julia Roberts for the kiss. <laughs> Which I feel like, didn't we have a segment in the last, or no, in Love Actually, the Love Actually episode, where I brought up something about Hugh Grant 
being a bitch about something too. Oh, it was the dance. He was he was like yeah, he was a he was, he was bitching about the dance. He was overcritical about the script. Yeah. And same with this. He was like super opposed to the kiss because quote she had a big mouth. I mean like wow. It's not First of all, first of all, just really that's that's your go-to defense. Second of all, rude. Third of all, it's Julia Roberts. Like you you knew what you were getting into. Literally. That's a really odd one. That's like, yeah, that's an odd one. I just, I mean, there's he. Oh my god, I don't know how I missed this segment. Uh, he he said uh, that he was quote aware of a faint echo as he was kissing her. Like, I guess implying that her mouth was so cavernous that, like, the sound of them kissing was echoing inside her mouth. The, f- the fact that you have the audacity to say something like that, to be quoted. Yeah, well, the, Hugh Grant was kind of known for being, like, he his on-screen persona is definitely... Different compared to his Oscar persona. Obviously. That was well Um. Oh, the painting at the end. The yeah. That actually that was a fake. Obviously, that was a recreation. It wasn't the real painting. Yeah. But they actually had to destroy it after the movie. Oh, so that it didn't. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) So they had like an actual, uh, like a after filming or after production ceremony where they were like everyone came out and participated in destroying this painting (laughs) and um, I'll leave you with this one how long was the original cut of the movie 3 hours 15 minutes wow that's actually not far off it's three hours and 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. 90 minutes were cut from the original version. Yeah. So basically, another rom-com <laughs> was cut <laughs> from the original movie. That's... I. What could possibly be in that extra 90 minutes? I can think of a few things. Okay, well... Yeah, like I said, not plentiful with the with the fun trivia facts. I mean, there are plenty of good things in there. I <laughs> I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Sorry, sure. Okay. okay, it's it's not me. It's it's a boring ass trivia. <laughs> That's, anyway. Anyway. So. Yeah. So now what? Now we talk. Let's talk. Let's get into it. Let's argue. 
I love this movie. I don't know what you're talking about. It's fantastic. Don't give me that look. I, you know, I'm just, I, I guess I'm more intrigued. Like, there's part of me that's like, every time I usually ask you what you think of the movie and let you start, and then I kind of have the, the last word. And, like, part of me wants to, like, kind of switch it up and, like, not necessarily follow that same thing, like, you know, just to kind of, like, not let it, like, be unfair or anything else like that. But at the same time, there's, like, for, like, this is considered a a classic rom-com to a lot of people I know. who like rom-coms. I know. So I feel like as the anti-opinion, you need to go first. So I'm going to ask you, Max... You know, what's your opinion of the movie? Like, let's, let's dive into it. Well, now that we've referenced Brooklyn Nine-Nine, <laughs> in the wise words of Amy Santiago, mm-hmm. all I kept watching while, I, or all I kept thinking while I was watching it was, you're boring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it just, it could have... I thought that was Gina who would say that, and... No. There's Gina. No. Yes. No. Yes. I literally just watched two episodes last night she where that Amy. From Gina. Oh, well, Amy says it better because Gina yeah, sucks. Yeah, just said something that Gina started. All right. Okay, fine. Way I take go. it back. Way to go. Either way, it's boring. <sighs> God damn it. Point Renee. No. <laughs> <laughs> Also, with our Brooklyn Nine-Nine opinion, this is an anti-Gina house in Bro- for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. The fact that Chelsea Peretti is no longer on the show is a good thing. We will no longer accept any opinions <laughs> going against that. Fuck off. All right. I mean, nothing against... Chelsea Peretti as, Chelsea a, human yeah. being, as a human being or as an actress or as a comedian. It's just that character was uh, that so character, fucking annoying. I just was never... I never clicked with it. I never clicked with it. Either way... Yeah, doesn't matter. It's not. Yeah, it's not it's the not, movie that we're subject, actually discussing. Yeah. It's not the subject matter of this episode. Yeah. So I'll, okay, <laughs> I'll make it short and sweet. First of all, it just felt like there was a lot that could have been cut. It. Okay. It was just. It just. For back then, movies felt longer. Like last week, we covered when Harry met Sally, and we discussed mm-hmm. that being like a different breed of rom com, and it was mm-hmm. longer and it slower and it kind of dragged out, I guess, compared to more modern rom coms, simply because they're they're developing their relationship. This one, it just felt like there was. There was no development. There was nothing to develop. It just... I never saw a reason why they should be together. Except for the fact that they liked each other. But the movie spent two hours never convincing me that they should be a good couple. Or that they could be a good couple. Good couple. Whereas, like, when Henry met Sally, there was this back and forth. There was... There was tension. There was, you know, conversation. There was, um... Uh, sparks, there was disappointments, there was, you know, all that. And by the end of it, you sum it all up and you're like, oh, well, it's not perfect, it's flawed, but they're great together. They're, like, perfect for each other. Whereas this, it was just like, eh, they had, like, 
they just happen to be in London and going through this weird stuff. Like even when they first meet and and she comes over to, to clean up her outfit um, and then just randomly kisses him in the doorway and that's what sparks this whole fucking movie. It's like, come on. Like, that's... I don't know. I guess moral of the story is, to me, it it felt like... It f- felt... Well, it felt like everyday life. It felt like... It felt like anyone's relationship. Which, I guess, should be a good thing, but for me, it wasn't. It was like, I want to sit down, I want to watch a rom-com. I want to watch a story of a couple whose story is worth telling... And this just didn't feel like it was worth making into a movie. It just felt lengthy and drawn out and blah. But I do like both actors. So that had it going for it. I don't know why I like Hugh Grant after all the shit I've read about him. Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, he's... uh... It, like Hugh Grant, I like into like an NFL player. Where like I mean, there's a lot of like good NFL players that don't have issues off the field, but there's some like, NFL players that are, have issues off the field. But like they play for your favorite team, so when they do something well mm. for your favorite team, you're just like, yes, I'm not gonna talk about what you did <laughs> off the field. I'm just gonna enjoy the fact that you played well for the team that I root for because of their uniform. Like, you're wearing the laundry of the team that I like, so therefore I'm not going to look at your flaws right now. And it's just something that, it's a case-by-case basis. It's the same thing with music. Yeah. Like, I can no longer listen to R. Kelly songs. But at the same time, like, (laughs) you know, if if a certain Chris Brown song comes on, I might hum it. I Like, I just, they both suck. They're both horrible human beings, but... You know, it's a case-by-case basis sort of thing. That's true. Woody Allen, same thing. Right? Although, I just I just can't. No, we you hate know. Woody Allen for a different reason. It's just because his movies suck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as I mentioned, I, I like Midnight in Paris, but... Yeah, anyway. Um, well, let me ask you this before you, you yeah. launch into your... It, what do you think of... Do you find Julia Roberts attractive? I mean, the pause kind of says it all. It's, (laughs) like, I think that she, she is attractive. But not necessarily, like, absolutely, like, jaw on the floor. Right. For instance, the Golden Globes just happened last weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. Selma Hayek was a presenter. Mm Mm-hmm. I've had a crush on Selma Hayek since that. She, like, she, like, I, she was, like, my first actress crush. Right. Like, as, like, a 8, 9, 10, whatever year old I was when I realized Selma Hayek was kind of the one. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as an actress crush for me. And as a 31-year-old. <laughs> so she's at the top of your top five. She's the top of the top five, yeah. Go. And at the Golden Globes, there were many tweets discussing just her for lack of better terms her rack that even at the age that she's at now 
And, like, the advantage is that now she's still throwing heat. <laughs> Just fucking heat. Fastball after fastball. And, like, it's amazing that I still get those, like, crazy, like, you know, hard eye emoji fucking, like, feelings whenever I see her, see her on screen now at 31 years old, just like I did when I was, like, fucking 10. <laughs> That's never changed with her. Selma Hayek brings that out of me. Julia Roberts doesn't bring that out of me. Julia Roberts, but Julia well, Roberts... Well, okay, objectively, person, do you, objective- like... Take everything else out of the equation. Do you look at her and say that is an attractive actress? Objectively, it's you can't do that because look, like attraction and people's looks are always subjective, in my opinion. Some people think certain people are attractive, and some people think other people are attractive. I've always had different tastes than other people. Um, well, aren't people, there aren't there people, people that you're not? A lot of people like when I was in high school and early college thought Jessica Alba was the hottest thing. And yeah, I never was attracted to her. Uh, well, yeah, but weren't you able to acknowledge that she was conventionally attractive? pretty? Yes, I, I would say Julia Roberts is conventionally pretty. Okay. See, I. I was always very conflicted with Julia Roberts because I was like, she, she's very, she's very attractive, but in like a, like a, a much more subtle way. And I think it's because of her, like her confidence that she always brings to every role where she just, you know, it's Julia Roberts. Like she's yeah. just. There, there's always a sense of. She's just, she's never anything else other than herself. Like yeah, you, yeah. You you don't have to question or think twice about what is she really thinking or what is she really doing. You, like, she wears herself on her sleeve and everything she does on screen. Right. Which is why she, you know, why she's so well regarded as an actress in her prime. And why she doesn't have to act anymore and why she doesn't have to do anything anymore why she has a shit ton of money now Mm. because of all the things she did in the 90s and 2000s because she because you never had to second guess how she really felt or what she really thought she always showed you directly Mm -hmm. so which is why you know my overall thought of this movie is that this movie is fantastic and i mean that two ways like just in general i I think it's a fantastic movie just like as you would normally say but it's also fantastic in that it's like a fantasy it is yeah it is completely and utterly not of this universe yeah it is not like famous actress that is you know julia roberts-esque as far as like the you know quality of stardom walks into your travel bookstore in Notting Hill and you lock eyes, she sees you handle a fucking, you know, a wannabe thief, and then yeah. she spills drink on her. You go back to your place, she changes real quick, and you lock eyes, and immediately you just know. There's this ephemeral... Ephemeral? I said it right this time. You did. This ephemeral attraction... And 
chemistry and spark that you just have to lock lips. It's a very... It's the thing that, as an adult, you realize rom-coms lied about. The initial spark. The immediate spark you get when you meet someone. It's that's extremely few and far between. Mm-hmm. Like you, if if ever you just have this immediate spark with someone that you're just drawn to kiss them. Well, but at the same time, I also think Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts are two conventionally attractive people that happen to be in close proximity, and if they decide to lock lips. I ain't mad at it. <laughs> like, all right. First, first of all, I don't understand how Hugh Grant is attractive, but I agree with your statement. I just, oh. I like going off the heels of what we were saying about Julia Roberts. Like, it's even more so applicable to Hugh Grant. Like, I, I acknowledge there is something attractive about him, but I. Like, I don't understand why he's conventionally an attractive actor. Because he's, like, objectively looking at just a picture of him, he's not that attractive. His eyes are all droopy, and he's... Maybe he's conventionally attractive for British people, but fuck. Over here stateside, we breed a little bit better gene pool, I guess. Then that little sorry, I'll stop. I'll stop bashing I mean, the UK. I mean, what's next? You're gonna say you supported Trump? No. If anything, just, I'm saying the opposite. You're just so pro-America. We have the best-looking people. <laughs> I said we had the best. No, I didn't say any of that. No, I didn't say best anything. <laughs> He said we breed them better here. I said we're better than the UK, which is not saying much. The UK sets a pretty low bar. Come on. <laughs> I'm not jumping. Have you that seen Boris Johnson? Can... Jesus Christ. It's like one of the Muppets came out of the fucking TV and became Prime Minister. I'm not jumping in that hole with you. <laughs> That's fine. You can have I stand that. by it. Um, although I am more partial to Irish lasses than UK. Oh, yeah. Myself. Yeah. But nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, they're feisty and they drink, so they're automatically better. I, I, I'm just not jumping in that hole with you. Uh... <laughs> Anyway. Anyway. Um, um, yeah, Hugh Grant is conventionally attractive. He, and at that time in like Hollywood, just in film, he was known to be yeah. attractive. There. It, it it's along the same lines as Julia Roberts. Like with his acting, it's at least like in his like the, his best parts as a rom com lead. He will like. You can tell what he's thinking and what he's feeling without him saying it and without him saying anything. Yeah, I, I think that's what makes him 
attractive as an actor. Just like what we're saying about yes. Julia Roberts. So it's it like just, it's it was uh, two. It was just two people who were being vulnerable with each yeah. other, and that's what kind of the and that's what is the foundation. Is you're seeing two, like as a viewer, you're looking at two at the time mega stars being absolutely vulnerable, and almost felt like. These megastars who felt so out of reach were letting you in, which is what this whole movie is about. This megastar comes into the orbit of a fucking commoner, and all of a sudden you can touch and see, oh, that's a human being over there. And so that's the whole, you know, fantasy that everyone just, like, kind of jumps into. Like, oh, this is real interesting. This is cool. Like, that, they're people, too. And then you can kind of, you know, just go for the ride like oh my gosh it's oh my gosh this is so crazy that this person who i admire and adore is actually just like me right that it humanizes was, them yeah this and so once you know and so once you kind of get into that you know sense of security that you just kind of you know admire like hugh grant and julia roberts just being vulnerable with each other throughout the movie and just being there themselves, like, like yeah. you know, they're, quote-unquote, themselves throughout the movie. But and that was, that's still one of my biggest complaints, is that we didn't really get to see a whole lot of them being themselves together. Like, I mean, we, we do, but it's, I don't know, com- comparatively to... A, a lot of other rom-coms, I feel like it didn't have the same kind of, like, um, constant connection, I guess. Like, you weren't constantly obvious, obviously seeing them actually relating to each other. There was a lot of, like, just blank moments where they weren't, they weren't in the scene together or they weren't, their relationship wasn't obvious or they didn't even have a relationship yet. And I don't know. I I don't know how to describe it. It just, it just didn't feel like they, their relationship didn't feel like it got enough screen time. I guess that's how I would phrase it. Which is funny that, a movie you say is too long didn't have enough. I know that's that's what bothered me. It was like that's why I said it felt like a lot could be cut because it was so fucking long. But it's like I I walked away from a two hour long movie going, what? How much of their relationship did I actually watch? Like how much? How much did they prove to me that they should be together? You know. Like, I feel like if you're going to make, if I were to go back and take any one of my relationships, no matter how long it lasted, and make a two-hour fucking long movie out of it, I would have wanted to take the highlights, whether they were positive or negative, either way, you take the highlights and you put those into the script. This, it felt like there were no major highlights, it was just like... It was, like, just as interesting as watching a couple, like, talk to each other on a couch in your living room. It was like, okay, this is, like, I get it. You guys could be a real couple, but I'm fucking bored. Like, I'm not gonna, like, invest time in watching you be a couple. Come back to me when you got some good stories. 
So with this movie, as I was mentioning about like how it's kind of in this fantasy and like this separate universe sort of thing, because of that, as a viewer, you have to choose whether or not you're going to take leaps with this movie. So you have to kind of just like accepting. So I, I think a small microcosm of this would be uh, William Thacker's sister. I forget the sister's name. Um and the movie Anna Betty? no that's that's Julia Roberts uh, Betty oh fuck uh, anyway the sister uh, either way yeah so she decides she's gonna get married and she decides she's gonna get married to Spike and then Spike says my spirit animal your spirit animal <laughs> we can get into Spike here in a little bit oh damn it that was that was the juiciest tidbit I completely forgot about god the actor who played him, yeah. I forget his Police name now. Bonds. Yes. Yeah. He actually, like, camped out on the set. Like, camped That's in a amazing. tent. And then that only lasted for a couple days. So he actually went to a campsite and camped. And then this limo would roll up every morning to pick him up and bring him to the set. That's amazing. But because it was a campsite and he was legitimately camping to, like, in- enhance the role yeah. of his disheveled look, yeah. they actually had complaints from the actors on the set about his smell. Wow. Like, they had a legitimate smell problem. Because he never showered. And then he's like, I, I showered, but only when I remember to. <laughs> Which apparently was never. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. Anyway, continue. Anyway, so... But, like, she says, I decided to get married, and it's going to be despite. So, no lead-up whatsoever to that. The yeah. only time they hang out before that is the scene before when she ran when the sister randomly has Anna's phone number. Or no, no, that yeah, randomly has Anna's phone. Number. Oh yeah, and they deliver the news to him together. Yeah. Yeah, that I noticed that too. Yeah. And so and like oh hey we found the agent's phone number you can call Anna. So. That's where, like, the three-and-a-half-hour movie probably explains all these little things. But maybe it's a two-hour movie, you just kind of have to, as an audience member, roll with it. If you don't want to roll with it, there's a lot of things you just have to kind of roll with to just appreciate it. And if you don't want to roll with it, you could easily decide this movie isn't good. Those parts didn't bother me too much. I mean, I, I took note of them, but... They didn't well, bother me. But at the same... So, like, I'm saying, like, those kind of jumps and, like, like just accepting things, you kind of have to jump to accept William and Anna's relationship. Yeah. You have to kind of jump and, like, basically, like, not worry about, well, they don't really know each other. Uh, they haven't really talked about their family. What's the whole deal with William and his mom? Why do they have such a weird relationship that's just basically a jo- an off-screen joke? Like... This and that and the other. Yeah. And the third and yada yada. Why aren't the parents at the daughter's birthday you know, dinner? You know, if the mom's alive, why isn't she at that birthday dinner? I know it's with friends and everything, but still. 
you know, yada, yada, blah, blah. There's a lot of things you can just totally, like, say what's going on here, what's going on there. But it, at, at this movie basically asks you, hey, that whole backstory thing, who gives a fuck? Let's watch Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant be attractive and great together for two hours. So, okay, so you you obviously like the movie. So why don't you tell me why? Like, pick something that, like, what I, about it really makes you like yeah, it? Yeah, Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts, their chemistry together is, you know, eye-popping on the screen. There's a reason why they made a shit ton of money acting in films in the 90s. And okay, I, I will admit that. Their chemistry together is pretty good. Yeah, their chemistry together is good, and they pop off the screen while together, and... You know, so they're, like, whenever they're together, whatever they're doing things, it pops off the screen. I think of the morning after they bang, like, and just the little things like when, you know, she says she hated the Gilda line. I thought the Gilda line made a lot of sense because behind this whole star facade of Anna Scott was an insecure woman, which... Which she says at the end, I'm just a girl. Yeah. Just, yeah, like, the the whole thing is, like, behind this whole fame facade is an insecure person. Right. Just like everyone else. And, you know, probably surprise everyone, but actresses in, on films are that same insecure person behind the fame facade. Like, it doesn't change. Everyone's yeah. insecure behind. There's a reason they work so hard for that fame because they think it's going to fill a hole of that insecurity that they have in their own lives. Like, yeah. so this whole, like, so when that whole line is basically explaining the insecurity of, okay, I just gave you, you know, the, like what you want, the dream, I have no more leverage here and I'm unsure of what's going on. And also as a human being, my career is kind of in a weird spot because fucking pictures of me probably sucking a dude's dick. If we're talking about porn here. Like, like, oh, is that what porn is? So, the like, she so, like, pro, like, bad pictures like that are probably like are out and about. So, like, her career's in flux. She, like, there's a whole lot of things that she's not secure about, and now she just lost a little bit of leverage, like, with William. With, like, so now she drops the Gilda line. I think that line's brilliant there. And then William, you know, looks at her and says, you've never been more lovely. Which we both said was mm -hmm. a 10 out of 10 lie mm -hmm. right there. And he immediately gets breakfast in bed as the, mm -hmm. as the reward. It's like those little moments right there where you're just like, yeah! Like, just raise your hand sort of things. This movie is full, for me, of little moments like that. Of just that or... And then also... I like how they change the gender norms of romantic comedies in a way where she's the one fucking up. She's like, she's the one with the power because she's the famous actress who doesn't necessarily need William, mm -hmm. but she's the one who's causing the fuck ups and he's in a position of very little to no power in that, right. that frame. But then she just keeps like coming back to his orbit. And then at the very end, he has all the power when she's in the bookstore saying she's a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. And just 
like how it, the tables turn and it's something that you don't necessarily see all the time where the girl is the one who fucks up the girl is the one who mm-hmm. overreacts and the girl is the one who needs to go back and ask for forgiveness and then and then they flip it back to where the guy needs to ask for forgiveness yeah that. i had so, a thought about that <coughs> just I don't know if it's relevant at all, but um, when we were watching it, I was thinking about that exact thing, that the, mm-hmm. that he had power during that moment. Yes. Where she's essentially pouring her heart out. Yes. And giving him all the power of the moment. Yeah. Which, to be in a real relationship, you have to do. Like, someone eventually has to... to take the first step and it and really like ideally you all take little steps throughout the whole process and it works out but either way uh i noticed that or i consciously thought that okay he's got all the power he has the choice here to either accept it and meet her halfway or you know, turn her away, which he did. And in my head, I was thinking, okay, you could turn her away because you want to play it safe. You've been hurt before. You've been hurt before by her and you're protecting yourself and you're making a mature decision about it, which he kind of claims that he does do it for that reason. But I couldn't help thinking that the other option is really what he went with, which is I'm turning her away because I want to show that I'm powerful. I'm I'm the one in control of the situation now. For once. The only time I may ever be in control of this relationship with someone who's, you know, supposedly famous and would ideally have all the control anyway. Because... In my head, if you're turning someone away for the sake of protecting yourself, you better goddamn know that you don't, that that option is out, at least for the time being, or the foreseeable near future. You're turning that person away because you're like, you know what, I've been hurt too many times, I'm done, thank you, but no thank you. And then that's it. That no is a final no. Not a no, oh my god, I made the wrong decision, I need to go after her. No. If you're going to play that fucking power trip, turn her away and let it go. Now, he turned her away and still legitimately cared about her. So in my head during that whole scene, the whole point of this this rant is just that as that scene was playing, I'm thinking, you know what? I get why you're going to do it. And I know you're going to turn her away, but don't do it. Don't cause you're doing it for a power trip. You're doing it to exert power and show that you're strong because she's hurt you so many times and you want to be the one to finally control the situation. But in reality, you still fucking care about her. So stop being a little bitch and just accept it. It's an interesting point. Here's why I disagree with you completely. So, 
you say it's a power trip, but he phrases it with, can I say no? He phrases it in a question. Yeah, because that's not, his character the whole buy, fucking I movie. Buy, I, yeah, exactly. That's his character the whole movie. He's never in, He's never on a power trip in this damn movie because he doesn't believe in himself enough to be in a power trip ever. He's com- always the one being subservient, and he's and that never changes. Okay. He can't be in a power trip if he's always a subservient one. And he like he and he may know who Anna is and everything else. He may be hurt and yada yada blah blah blah. But he still knows that this is Anna Scott. He still knows this is like a woman that he loves. But he also knows that it hurts to be with her, and so he. And he decides to take the coward's way out because he's constantly, he's constantly knows that, you know, the other shoe's going to fall. Like the, like he's constantly knowing that things are going to go wrong. His bookstore sucks. His bookstore doesn't make money. All his friends have shit jobs and shit lives. They talk about how shitty their lives are to win a fucking brownie. Everything goes wrong in this guy's life. And so... How can he believe that the biggest actress in the world is just a girl standing in front of him wanting to be loved? And he's going to play a power trip on that? No, he's just going to play the, this is going to go wrong, and I don't want to be hurt by this going wrong again. Okay. Well, actually, that's not a bad point. You might be right. I guess a... I may have just misinterpreted that scene. I mean, it's as I said, it's an interesting point that you have. And, I mean, that's your your reading of it is completely and utterly like fine and plausible. And like, if that's your reading, that's totally yeah, yeah. It's just like, but I, as I said, I completely disagree. And that's my reading of it is just that he takes the coward's way out, and then it takes his you know your spirit animal Spike, who is. My boy. Like, there's a great... <laughs> I would like to think that I am much, much cleaner than he yeah, is. Yeah, but, like... <laughs> I shower daily. I keep a clean house. And, um, there's a great, like... I, I don't need to go into the preamble. Uh, he's pure id. Like, he's just pure, like... Spike is pure impulsivity. And yeah. Just, like, so he has to be the one who, like, when all the friends are trying to be supportive. So really, he's not my spirit. <laughs> <laughs> he's a part of you. Like, he's, yeah, he's, he's the part of you that you wish that you could uh, give into more, and that's why you enjoy it. He's him. the drunk me. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> very true. <laughs> Spike comes out when I've had a couple bottles of wine. <laughs> You know, when you're talking about British people's looks compared to American people's looks. You know what? I... <laughs> no, you're not going to take this away from me. I stand by it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, but it, like, and then all the other friends for William after this whole speech by Anna are trying to be supportive and, you know, back him up on it because they've also been around him for the last year. And seeing how fucking hurt he's been because of the failed 
attempts at this relationship, at the failed attempts at love. And if you're this fucking hurt by it, probably means it was something real. Which means yeah. It was some, like some sort of love. So they're just trying to be supportive. Like, hey, you don't want to get hurt anymore. I'm going to support you not wanting to go fucking run into that wall again. But it's Spike who's just like, why wouldn't you run into that fucking wall again? <laughs> like, what's, what's wrong with you? The wall is... There's literally a hole in the wall now. You're going to actually make it through there. Why the fuck aren't you running? I don't know why, but I just thought of the story where Robbie tried climbing the, oh, <laughs> the wall, the brick wall. That's that's a drunk pure yeah. moment. Trying to Spider-Man his way yeah. and he broke his finger. Did he break his finger he, that night? He broke his finger that night. Really? Yeah. Jesus. I know. <laughs> Shout out Robbie Plowman. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I I remember him getting a good amount of the way up the wall, like a surprising amount off the ground. I know there were no footholds or handholds. No, like, it was all was like tips of his fingers yeah, in the grout brick, between the grit. Yeah, it was the, a brick, the brick building, and he was just using the grout mark markings, the grout lines, to just climb up the fucking yeah. wall, and he got like. Literally, like, two or three big steps up the wall yeah. before he came back down. No. no, before Andrew and I took him down. Which is probably why <laughs> he broke his feet because it got stuck in the ground. Maybe. Yeah. That that makes sense. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah, so... There's a lot more we could talk about in this movie, but I, I you want to go into like, kiss? They're minor details, and I feel yeah. like yeah, like I mentioned how I wanted to talk about uh, like friendships with uh, exes that you were like in love with. Friendships. Oh, 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 Williams and friends with Bella, which that's something I talked about with my sister Monica, and we both agreed like. I don't get that. Like, how could you, like, be in love with someone that not work out and then you stay, like, mm. really good friends like that? Uh, but then again, I've never had a relationship, so I can't necessarily say from, like, experience that there's no way that could happen. I just couldn't see it happening for myself. Yeah. Um, <coughs> it's it's weird. It's tricky. Yeah. It's tricky. It's tricky, tricky. Um, I've never had a friendship with someone that I've had... Well, fuck, I take that back. Never mind. I was going to say I never had a friendship with someone that I've been in a... Like like an actual, real, long relationship with. But I, I actually... I take that back. Um... The only exception to that statement is my uh, my very first girlfriend who I, I dated uh, throughout high school mm-hmm. and then partially into college. Uh, I mean, it took years before we were ever able to, to speak to each other again. But it was one of those things where it's like you kind of reconnect after so long of not talking to each other that you're different people but you're not different people like you're 
like we were together for so long and throughout such a growing period of our lives that yeah there's still going to be fundamental changes after that but there's a lot of core personality traits that never change they remain the same so when we reconnected and uh you know started keeping in touch a little bit like we're at different points in our lives now from back then so it feels like different people but it's not like you still get along with that person in the core i don't know the core traits of it you know so i think that's that's probably the biggest experience i have on that i think anyone else i've stayed friends with after dating has been you know minimal dating it's not like long relationships um and even then it's just it's time time is always the the factor true it's like they they say time heals all broken hearts well the same goes for like you know changing your viewpoint on a person i guess <laughs> that's true too because it's like yeah, I, at, at some point you just accept like it's it's not the, that's not what we're meant to be in, in fact okay um, I say the best example that I have of that is not the first first girlfriend I ever had that turned into a friend and even then it that one was over years and years and years and years like that was yeah. I would hardly consider that one giant you know transition the the one that pops into my mind was uh was someone i met in grad school and we we dated a little bit but it never really went anywhere and but it but because we were in grad school together we were always around each other so we just kind of like were forced to you know i don't know live through the reality of the situation like you know you can't really so then uh, after grad school, we kind of went our separate ways for a few years and then we kind of reconnected and it was, I don't know, it was randomly like one of those moments where you're like, holy hell, this is what we should have been doing all along. Like we, we were really meant to actually be friends. This is why dating never ever went anywhere. Like we are so much better as friends. It's kind of like... You know where you're talking about the spark between yeah. a couple? Yeah. It's like that. You can have that with a platonic relationship too. And that was something we never had while we were dating. And it was like the moment we started hanging out as friends and like shit talking and, and no filters and like being ourselves and all that stuff. That spark happened, but it was like a completely platonic spark and it's it's actually kind of refreshing because it takes a lot of the pressure out of the situation <laughs> um but it, like i said it's it's tough it's not like it's it's not something everyone's gonna have experience with and it's and even i had it like it took a while from for me to even mentally get to that 
state where I could accept viewing those people as friends rather than people I dated or been in, been in relationships with or been, you know, romantically involved with or whatever. It just takes time. You have to, like, change your perspective on those people. So. That was Max's real world roommate. <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> long winded. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, <laughs> I, I like how they wrote that friendship. And I like that you brought that latest one because I, I met her uh, once before. Kaylee? Yeah. Yeah, I met her yeah she's so. awesome. Yeah, and I, I get what you mean on that. Like, the the whole, you know, oh, it fits here, not necessarily there. And, yeah. And in the movie, that you like that makes sense, where it's just like, oh, it actually fits here and not there in between them. I would say a better comparison is the reverse of that, is if you've ever been friends with someone and you have a really good friendship, and then you both decide to take it to the next level and it doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. Like before the whole realization that you've fucked up a good friendship because of it before, <laughs> before all that, that moment where you're like, Oh yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't translate. Like it's, it's two different phases. Like it's yeah. two different styles of relationship. It's, it's the same kind of thing where it's like, it works in some ways, but, you know, not in others. Yeah. So, the complete utter non-segue. Um, <laughs> the, I have a hard time figuring out which one is the quote-unquote kiss in this movie. I have a hard time figuring out you where all my wine went. What? <laughs> Where all my wine went. Oh, you're already drinking all? <laughs> nice, that kid. What did you hell? did you drink it? You drank it. You're ten feet away from me, but I'm I know you drank it. I mean I haven't moved. <laughs> I didn't drink it. There's no way I drank all that. My like I didn't even finish my drink because you know, we had to record a podcast. <laughs> that was your third one. It, mostly ice. Bullshit. Mostly ice, the two that I poured. Uh, and the one you poured was like half. So, anyway. Um, yeah, I had a tough time figuring out the kiss, too. I mean, I don't want to get in the habit of grading multiple ones like we do with yeah. Sally. So I'm well, gonna, let's just go with the first I'm gonna make, one. I'm going to make the executive decision that's that first one. Yeah. The part at the beginning of the movie. Even though the one in the garden is nice, and I would say is actually nicer than this one. Right. I would still say this one in the apartment. Yeah, so for me, I like the tension throughout. Where there there's an immediate, like, you know, within the bookstore that the two of them share this, you know, witty repartee between each other. And it's like, oh, that's a nice little, you know... Oh, hey, there's some chemistry between these two. Like, but that chemistry is, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you flirt with someone, like, you flirt with a waitress or you flirt with a, you know, a store clerk or something, and then you move on and you never see them again. And it's just like, oh, that was just a fun 
flirty, you know, 30 seconds right. I had with that person. I'll hang on to that in my mental bank, memory bank and move on for the rest of my life. And that, but you know, it just so happens that that Whitney Bertay is with the biggest megastar actress in the fucking world, mm-hmm. and then you end up spilling a drink on her, mm-hmm. and then you end up going back to your place, and then the, and then you, throughout your like fumbling and just being yourself, can tell that the the flirty chemistry has not wavered, she, right. Like, despite spilling something on her shirt, despite everything else, she's still intrigued by you and the flirty chemistry there. And then she forgets something at your place. And it just seems like in this fantasy world, all the stars align and build this big old tension. It's just like, how the fuck are going to release this tension? And then it's boom, it's released with that kiss. So I love the buildup. Mm-hmm. and everything that you know built like that's it's just everything that's built around it is all those extra little things or what that that's the kind of stuff i like from this movie but the actual kiss itself technically the the lips like locking is solid but like hugh grant's playing up the the sheepish identity of mm-hmm. William Thacker like the you know insecure like yep. everything and so he's got his hand on his hip yep. and he's not putting any hands around her not kind of just, yeah. he's there he's, he's very committing disengaged from the kiss yeah it's more of just like a shock yeah. when he's receiving it so I'm going to give it overall a B because of how it's built up but if he had actually engaged in it that would have been an A to an A plus yeah I would agree. I'd give it the same grade. I'd give it a solid B. Because, like you, like you hit it on the head. I love the whole build-up. The timing was perfect. Julia Roberts killed it. Like, she did a great job in the in the kiss. I agree. Like... Both kisses. Yeah. Yeah. All... Was it t- only two? Yeah. I mean, they share a kiss like at the wedding, and uh, they also. Oh yeah. And then they also have like the the kiss like when she comes downstairs, and then they start making out. Well, e- either way, I would I would say, I would say on screen she's a she's a good kisser. Like she she nails the kiss every time, whether it's a quick little kiss or like the big passionate kiss. Of it's the, because the, of her big mouth. Probably yeah. It films well. Yeah, films well. <laughs> <laughs> Choking on my last sip of wine. Hugh Grant's small lipped mouth, motherfucker. Yeah, like he didn't even try to open his mouth a little bit or increase the surface area of what was making contact with Julia Roberts. Like he's just sitting there, like puckering up, like he's sucking on a straw. And then he just stands there, like he said, with his hand on his hip, and doesn't you know doesn't doesn't engage in the moment at all. Meanwhile, she's got his her hand. I think that was the kiss that she put her hand on his face, right? Like around him, like, around him. Yeah, around okay, him. yeah, like yeah. she was into it. Like it was a very uh, 
understandable level of passion from her end at that moment. Like, mm. it wasn't too over the top. It wasn't too dramatic. It wasn't too anything. But it was like, she did a good job. It was, yeah. it was believable. Meanwhile, he's just standing there like a fucking statue. Uh, yeah, and it's the one thing about this movie, why I say it's like it exists in this universe where... I feel like when you feed into your insecurities as much as these characters do, yeah, it ruins and ends any relationship because it's not built upon a secure foundation. You have to, yeah. in some way, be secure in yourself and what you provide and what you bring into a relationship Absolutely. in order for that relationship to actually prosper. These two people are never secure in themselves. Well, it's like that. And, it's like that phrase: "You have to love yourself before you love anyone yeah. else." And like, there's. Like, these two characters are just never, they're constantly just like, uh, uh, you know, she's having to say she's just a girl Mm -hmm. standing in front of a boy and asking him to love her. And he's, like, standing back with his hand and then, like, has to, and he says no to, you know, this girl that he loves because he's afraid that he's going to get hurt again because she's such a big star. Like, she's going to hurt me again. I just know it. So he says no to her, even though she admits her love. And then he has to go fucking chase her. And then finally, like, just through temporary insanity, finally nut up and talk to her in (laughs) front of all this media. Yeah. And it's just like, there's just no world where you're, like, you being that insecure leads to a positive, lasting relationship. Yeah. But in this fantasy world of Notting Hill. Yep. That shit is endearing. Yep. And so, you know, that's the biggest nitpick I have of the movie. Is just that well, these are insecure people, but at the same time, God damn, if I don't like watching them on film, I act Like, just... I know! You no, know, that, that's exactly where I'm at, too. Where it's like, I love both of those actors. Yeah. And I love the, the chemistry that they actually kind of had on yeah. the screen... But I'm so conflicted about so many other things of the movie that yeah. it's like, it's, it's, it's a movie that lasts two hours and yet there are big plot holes that you yeah. just have to kind of accept. It's a movie where Hugh Grant really didn't want to kiss her, but yet they shared two, like they share pretty good on-screen yeah. kisses and a great on-screen chemistry. It's a movie where, you know, like the, I can't think of a third one, but Nonetheless, <laughs> like, there's just a lot where it's just like, I, uh, the, the, it's, it's a great place to go. Like, it's kind of in that stand-up set I had last year. Wow, it was last year, I bet. Oh, God, it was. But it's the joke I had where I talk about how I like rom-coms. Because I actually like watching relationships form, as opposed to actually forming relationships. Right. Because like you, <laughs> you know, put yourself out there, you're vulnerable, and then the worst part is they accept you, and then you actually end up in a relationship, and then six months down the line you realize, oh, that person sucks, and I don't like them at all, and so now you have to break up and start all over again. Jesus. Or I could just put in Notting Hill for the next two hours. And just go to that quaint bookstore around the corner. <laughs> I'm well, choose that yeah. every time. That's what this movie is. 
it's yeah. an escape for two hours. They really, to yeah. To go to this place where everything works out in a re- in a relationship, and but it's framed in a way where it could actually happen, but it never would happen. But I feel like a lot of rom coms are like that. They're they're always escapes. Yeah, they're always fantastical they're compared to, to reality. That's, yeah, that's the whole idea behind rom coms. That's why rom coms are so fun to watch. Exactly. That's why we have this show. Exactly. Because we like to go escape with these rom coms. Damn right. And then somehow implement them into our actual real lives, so that our real lives aren't as dire and dark as they could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, All right. So. I. If you honestly, don't see the believability. Oh, go ahead. No, go. No, the believability. Go ahead. Because I, I was gonna go. To, I was gonna talk about the next segment. But. Well, I was gonna ask if, if you don't. If you don't see that, playing out, then what? How, how do you see it playing out after the movie? Well, yeah, and, and the after ever after. Uh, as far as like with, once again, this doesn't exist in our universe. Right. It exists in a separate fantasy universe. So they live happily ever after. So aliens come down and abduct them after this movie? Is yeah, that kind of thing? in that separate universe, like Hillary Clinton wins the election. So, you know, it's like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, <laughs> So, you know, they yeah, it's just we can just like there's so much you can just say about the separate universe like it, yeah. You know, all the, like all of a sudden, you know, green deals are being written into, you know, constitutions and the God, ice, I wish. the glaciers are actually melting at it. Oh like, god, I wish. Australia isn't burning and you know, there's a lot of things that can be happening after ever after that. Can one, we make so. a rom-com about that? <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, honestly, we might retire this one because I only only had it for, like, the first two movies. And it's, like... I mean, I could come up with something for... Oh, this segment? Yeah. I could come up with something with, like, Spike and the sister, but... I mean, I I like the segment. You just... You would actually have to come up with something. (laughs) (laughs) You'd have to... You know... You know who... I mean, I'm, this isn't necessarily after, like after ever after, but. I mean, if you don't like, have anything, you don't have anything. Like, if, if it doesn't inspire you to come up with something, that that almost. I'm more about to argue something. So. <laughs> I'm about to argue. Max and Bella set William up. My other spirit animal. Yeah, Max. Yeah. <laughs> the actual. Yeah. Like. The one who talks about James Bond doesn't have to deal with this shit while driving. That, no, the that one... is a line you would fucking say in real life. That is a line you would while say While he's in real driving. Life. While, while he's, he's driving. He's driving a car full of people who are bitching. And he just is like, alright, that's it. We're stopping. Stops in the middle. Stops Dramatic as fuck. And then says, I'm the one who's driving. I decide. And James Bond doesn't have to deal with this shit. That is you <laughs> to a fucking D. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. That's why we love you, man. But. The tens and tens of <laughs> listeners and I love The you. upside is that every time someone comes over, 
he and I offer them wine. <laughs> yes, that's another that's... one too. <laughs> you're so... in my house, you get wine, come on. Yeah. Or tequila if you're ready. <laughs> yes, exactly. So my, so my like, complaint is Max and Bella continually set William up with these women, like mm-hmm. Tessa and... Oh, yeah, William. that, that like, middle segment. That little montage in the middle. And I get, yes, William is the main character of the movie. You know, that's why you see it with them. Where the fuck is the dates for Bernie? <laughs> Bernie's a good bloke. <laughs> Bernie's a good dude. I may personally see myself at Bernie, which is why I'm so offended by this. Why doesn't he get the help? He obviously needs the help. Fucking William is in better shape, and he's pulling in a Scott out of fucking nowhere. He doesn't need you to set him the fuck up anymore. He already has a marriage that he failed. He doesn't need your fucking help anymore. Bernie needs your goddamn help. He has a marriage that he failed? What? Yeah, he, he failed in marriage. William, yeah, he was divorced. He says at the very beginning of the movie. Oh, you're right, yeah. Yeah, it, like it, he punches the two women he loved before the American. That was such a small little detail. Like, why did that? Even... Which is why, which also explains his insecurity. And it's like, yeah, I get it, but at the same time, get over it. And that's also why Spike lives with him, because obviously there's some deep-rooted issues with that divorce, which is yeah. like, which explains, like, you have to then jump to the conclusion, much like you have to jump to a lot of conclusions in this movie, you have to jump Way to the conclusion that a lot of his behavior is because of this divorce that he got cheated on and left for another man with from his, you know, oh, I don't know about cheating on, but he got left for another man yeah. by his ex-wife. So you have to jump to conclusions that that's affecting all of his behavior. But then again, once again, you just have to jump to that conclusion. Besides the point, Bernie needs a girl. We need to hook Bernie up. And All right, so, so my where's ha- your, my there's, after there's after your after, after is that he gets hooked up. I, I don't know who he gets hooked up with, though. Let's say, like... Julia Roberts' makeup she, artist. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Anna Scott, I mean, because all the other actors and actresses exist, so like Bill Gibson exists, and like mm. all their, so on and so forth, and yada yada. So, Bernie gets to meet uh, a nice actress who he, uh, hmm, what actress does like Julia Roberts? No, I, I don't think it would be an actress, I think it would be like a... A makeup artist? No, well... Yeah, something like that, like the set photographer or the yeah. the um, uh, the key grip or something, you know, for one of her <laughs> movies. Like, there you go. Like, you know what? Birdie doesn't have a job. He needs a job. Uh, he becomes. He gets into production. Oh, he becomes a producer. He becomes a producer through Anna. Like and so, oh yeah, and then through that he actually finds a wife. Uh, let's say, uh, the, the publicist that, uh, Stunt double. <laughs> the publicist for Anna who, uh, tells William that she wants to see him mm. again. Like, mm. Yeah. And she's actually there at the Henry James movie too. Or no, and she's actually there with the chauffeur where they pull her out of, uh, Will's apartment. There you go. <laughs> so Bernie ends up with her. And they live happily ever after. Because Bernie doesn't get any fucking help from his friends in the first fucking place. Help a brother out. 
But then he gets the ultimate, the the ultimate help from a wing woman in Anna. Exactly, which further, uh, I guess, solidifies her role in William's life. Like, you know, other than being provides purpose, wife and future mother of this child. Yeah, I thought that was that whole montage at the end was strange. Was another problem I had with it. Yeah. But anyway. Alright. Renee. I think we've made it clear what our what our ultimate ratings of it are. I don't know if you're gonna be necessarily you might be a little surprised by mine. Okay. Would you fuck, marry, kill the movie? So I've mentioned how this exists in a separate universe. Mm-hmm. exists separately from your main life. There's a lot of people in this world that tend to have someone in their life that they text or call at a time or they just need or want a certain thing at a certain time. Okay. But they don't necessarily want it to bleed into an actu- their actual life. And sometimes and a lot of times it's mutual. And a lot of people would call it, you know, a fuck buddy. Okay. I think this is a movie that you fuck, but it's a fuck buddy. You don't necessarily keep coming back to it like in a marriage where you're just like, I'm constantly watching this movie, Mm. I'm constantly watching this movie. But every once in a while, you know, depending on when you need it, depending on availability, depending on just how emotionally vulnerable you're feeling, just how you're feeling in general, you need to throw a text to your fuck buddy. Just say, you up? <laughs> Pop in Notting Hill for two hours. And you're just like, for two hours, I know what's going to happen here. For however, like, we're, we know exactly what okay. we're getting out of this. And it's not going to exist beyond this until the next two-hour session, whatever that may be. So... This is a fuck. God, if only I still had the stamina for two hour long sessions. Well, that's including like transit time to and from the place. <laughs> Foreplay. Foreplay. Uh, little talking out. Yeah, a little talking out. Cuddling. Like, taking clothes off and putting yeah, clothes on. Okay. Like that's the whole entire. So it boils down to a solid 20 minutes of passion. And, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's a good rating. I like that. It's episode, what, five? Yes. And we're already introducing a gray area to our rating system. Hey, no, no, no. It's still within, out of the three, it's five. Uh, yeah, okay. There's just... With yeah. with clarification. Yes. Okay. There's a little story behind. Well, I will admit, I I flip-flopped a little bit between... Between ratings. Um, especially after the movie. The more we talked about it. The, the things that you brought up. I was thinking about it. Um, but I think I've settled on a rating. And I, I, I too have a little bit of a gray area to it. But regardless. <laughs> I'd kill this movie. Yeah. I would fucking kill this movie yeah 
Um, I mean, I would, I would cry over it as I killed it, but I would kill it. <laughs> we, 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 we can go into details about fucking, we can go into details about marriage, but we are not going to go into details about killing It's people. a movie! We're not going, this is not Dexter. It's. This is not some goddamn show where they show the killing happening. Like, you just, if you're going to kill the movie, you kill it. You do not talk about what you well, guys are killing it. it if let's put it this way, if it was a DVD, I would not break it. I would not shatter it after watching it okay. for the first time after two hours, and you know, pop it out and be like, "Oh my god, that was a fucking waste of two hours." I'm gonna shatter this DVD out of anger. It's not to that level, but it's it's more of like once it's over, I'm just like, "Yeah, that was." I could have gone without that. So, no thanks. It's like a nice, polite pass. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. And I know that is so unpopular for a lot of opinions. Like, I know it's, it's such a classic rom-com, and here I am sitting here singing my praises for shit fucking movies like Just Friends. <laughs> <laughs> so basically five episodes in we've established that max's opinion on the movies is is not really based on any sort of real criteria you, look, it's just a feeling like i know it deep down in my heart you know it down in your nuggets i get it like this is and that's if anything, what, that's the true that's the true the romance thing. right there. That's the thing. This is about us. This is about how we feel singularly about this film. That's true. You know, that's why we're talking into microphones and sharing it with other people. Because we have feelings that may or may not be the general consensus on this. Right. And we want to share that. Right. And it's just like, yeah, man. I hey, I respect your opinion, even if I think it's wrong. So, yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you for sticking around for this yeah. roller coaster of a ride. Yeah. Despite our arguments and our you know, difference in opinion, I still love you, buddy. I love you too, of course. That's what yeah. this whole thing is for. We gotta. We can't agree on everything. If we agree on everything, people get bored. Yeah. I, I like to think that. Besides, that's what we drink. So. On this one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so our socials as a podcast on Instagram, it's Bromancing the Stone Podcast. So, you know, just like the name of our show, Bromancing the Stone Podcast at the end. And you can find us there on Instagram. Also on Twitter, uh, the handle is at Bro the Stone Pod. So B R O T H E S T O N E P O D. And our personals. Pod. And then uh, you can find me on Instagram at relusa88, that is R-E-L-U-S-A-8-8. And you can also find my Twitter, uh, it's at Supermarket Sweep, and that's without the R in super, so S-U-P-E, Market Sweep. You can find me there. I tweeted about the New York Knicks and got three likes on my tweet, so <laughs> you could say I'm pretty hopping right now. 
And on Instagram, you can find me at uh, the Lionhearted, which is T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. Yeah. And next week, what next movie week. film are we watching, Max? Next week, we are watching another classic. It's not a classic. <laughs> we are watching Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yes. We are what we. We compiled a list before the show, so we started compiling a list of yeah. movies from all different, you know, decades and everything else like that. So, like, we're doing this movie because, you know, it's a it's a movie that we know well, and we want to, you know, jump into that. But there are going to be some films that are going to dive into black and white territory here pretty soon. Uh, there's some holidays that are going to be coming up not too far mm-hmm. from now that we're going to do movies kind of based along those. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, yeah, we got a nice living a list nice of, of movies adventure. to go through and Yeah. So if you if you have any suggestions as well, feel free yes. to reach out to us, hit us up on on, the on, on socials, us DM us, let us know. But what's gonna be great about this movie in particular is that this one came out around our, you know, college it did. time. So like the ones that we did at the beginning were like pre like those were high school ish, mm-hmm. you know, pre college. So this one is more like in that. So the first memories are going to be interesting on this one. Um, so yeah, yeah, I got to think about that yeah, one. I I know there's something back there. Yeah. I know there's a. I know there's probably a potent first experience with that movie, but I I I got to think about what it is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we appreciate you guys listening yeah. to us. Thank you so much for sticking around. We Love you guys. guys. Have a good night. You. <laughs> what? I, I was going to say you too. <laughs> I stopped myself. And then it just was bad. Okay. Bye. Bye.